Hi, my name is Gigi Green and this is my trail podcast. Um, if you have ever listened to one of my episodes, uh, you've probably heard me say this. My trail podcast is about Russia, its culture, traditions, everyday life and everything <laughs> that strikes my fancy about Russia. At least for the moment. Well, uh, the moment has come when it's not about Russia anymore. <laughs> not just about Russia anymore. Because I'm in Georgia, which is awesome! <laughs> this is my first time in Georgia, uh, so the country, not the state, obviously. And... Uh, sorry, people, I'm not in Georgia anymore. I'm home in Saratov. There was just a piece I recorded while I was there in the end of August and the beginning of September. I wanted to record the whole episode, but I haven't written anything resembling a script, so... After several tries, I decided, fuck that, I'd better do it my usual way, with a script at home in my beloved studio, aka walk-in closet. Uh, also, surprise, this episode contains explicit language. And I'm sorry I haven't posted an episode in a while. I've been very busy, and it was hard to sit down and write an episode amid everything. And then... I dropped my phone into water and, um, previous episodes were recorded on my phone. And would you believe that the only thing that remained broken after my phone was fixed, after the whole Duncan experience, was the microphone. So I couldn't record and I had to order a new one and then I went traveling again, so again, I'm really sorry. Uh, I'll try to be better about posting. But I think my initial idea of posting an episode every week was unrealistic. At least at this stage. Maybe every two weeks? I'm kind of scared to promise anything. So maybe just subscribe and check for new episodes manually. Because algorithms are a bitch. Or you can find me on Instagram at Greenly. That's G R. E-E-N-N-I-L-Y and I also created a podcast Instagram it's called Journeys with Gigi one word, no capitals, no spaces but again I'm working on it So, and I'll make a post and maybe a story about every new episode okay, let's get on with it already (laughs) so, Georgia Uh, Georgia is one of our many southern neighbors Where is it precisely? Open Google Maps, any other map will do too, of course, and find Mediterranean Sea. That's the one between Eurasia and Africa. A bit to the northeast is the Black Sea. The country between the Mediterranean Sea and the Black Sea is Turkey. And if you look at its Black Sea coast, the first border to the northeast is with Georgia. Also, Georgia has borders with Armenia in the south, Azerbaijan in the southeast, and with Russia in the north. And that set of neighbors is what has determined all Georgian problems historically, I'd say. Uh, Georgia is a very old country. If you are interested in archaeology, you should totally read up on it. It just might be as good as the neighboring parts of Asia Minor. Or maybe even better, because the first early Georgian state is the Kingdom of Colchis. It existed from the 6th to the 1st century BC, 
and historians are almost sure that it's the place that features in Greek mythology. It's where Jason and Argonauts went to get the Golden Fleece, and where they met the most fascinating, to me, Greek mythological character Medea, the archetypal woman scorned. And yeah, how hath of you like that lady? Uh, of course, as any early state, it didn't emerge as a whole complete country out of thin air within its present borders. Its different parts were separate kingdoms. It was first united under the Bagrationi dynasty in the 8th and 9th century. That was one of the oldest Christian dynasties in the world till the 19th century, which kind of hints that Georgia is a Christian country, and that was not an easy thing to be in that region historically. The only other Christian country on their side of the Caucasus Mountains is Armenia. Turkey and Azerbaijan are Muslim, and even nations that are technically Russian citizens who live close to the border are partially Muslim. So Georgia got to have its golden age from 9th to 12th century. And if you like kick-ass women in history, by the way, read about Tsaritsa Tamara. Uh, that's Queen Tamara the Great. That lady was so cool. She was the first woman to rule Georgia in her own right, and she got herself a divorce in the 12th century. I mean, remember what a mess Henry VIII had made of it? Not this lady, though. Her first husband was Prince Yuri of Rus, uh, so a guy from what later became Russia. Uh, she was forced to marry him by her aristocratic advisors. And he was a dick and an alcoholic. She tried to make things work for two years, but finally she had enough, divorced him and kicked him out of the country. And very soon married her childhood friend. Yuri, whom Georgians called Georgi, by the way, so George. Uh, George was offended and staged a coup to win the country from her with the help of some Greek guys from Constantinople. But... She kicked his ass out of the country again, this time for good, and lived happily ever after and is like the most famous Georgian ruler, at least in Russia. Unfortunately, she couldn't live forever, and soon Georgia got the same Mongo invasion Russia did. Uh, I talked about it in the episodes 11 and 8 when I talked about the history of Moscow, which I will finish eventually. <laughs> and then came Timurid Empire, and then the Ottoman Empire, that's the Turks, and Iranians. And they basically struggled to stay a separate country until they just couldn't take constant warfare anymore, and decided to ask Russia for protection in the 18th century. Now, if you read something that was written by Western, European, or North American historians, I'll bet you an episode about the topic of your choice that it'll say that Georgia was annexed by Russia, which means it was added by appropriation, usually by force or without permission. Annexing everything that moves is kind of the reputation we get from Western historians. And I think that's hypercritical at best. The truth of the matter is, as usual, way more complicated. Georgia approached Russian Empire first, because they were the ones who needed protection from Muslim countries, and approaching the strongest Christian country in the region made total sense, especially since both countries practice the same or a very close type of Christianity, Orthodox. 
For Russia, the Caucasus region had been a source of problems for centuries, because Russians couldn't always find a way to coexist with the natives. Let's put it that way. I'm guessing they were at the same time happy and unhappy about protecting Georgia from the Turks, the Ottoman Empire. On the one hand, that's a great region, and Russia has always liked its seaports, since we don't have that many, if you consider the total territory of the country. On the other hand, dear God, they would have to go and fight Georgian enemies to actually keep peace. And Russia did have to fight Turks a lot in the 19th century. So their talks with Georgia about protection took a while. And whatever version you read about that part, even the Russian one, Russian Empire doesn't look good. Really not good. Like, our politicians behaved like a bunch of douchebags. Especially towards Georgian Tsar. But the truth is, Georgia needed Russia more than Russia needed Georgia. So, when in the end Georgia was made a part of the empire, Georgians were protesting against Russian methods, not about becoming a part of the empire, or whatever you want to call it. I guess what I really want to say is, we have complicated relationship with a lot of our neighbors, because we have long and complicated history together. And unless you know it really well and really understand how our corner of the world works, don't be quick to judge. It's very easy to make a big bad wolf out of Russia, because it isn't precisely gentle and never has been, but there's more to it than news and TV shows show you. If you're thinking, what on earth am I talking about? Uh, sorry been watching The Late Show with Stephen Colbert a lot lately. I like him, but the way he talks about my country makes me really scared. Where does humor end and fear-mongering start? Anyway, Georgia was a part of Russian Empire till its end in 1917, and then it became a part of the Soviet Union. Fun fact, did you know that Stalin, uh, the most famous and probably most powerful and bloodiest Soviet dictator, was actually Georgian? His real name was Joseph Drugashvili, and he's from a small town called Gori. I told you it's complicated. Uh, Georgia got its independence in 1991, after the Soviet Union disintegrated, and immediately they had problems with Russia over the territories close to our border namely Abkhazia and South Ossetia. That is so freaking controversial, I'm kind of scared to talk about it. Because to the United Nations, for example, it looks like Russia annexing lands from poor little Georgia. It probably looks kind of the same to Georgia, without the little part. To Russians, it often looks something like this. Oh fuck, here we go again. We look like bad guys, even though they, people of Abkhazia and Ossetia, asked to join us, because they haven't really been a part of Georgia for a long time. They were a part of the Soviet Union, which gave them more autonomy. The majority of them are not ethnically Georgians, and with South Ossetia it's especially awkward, because North Ossetia is a republic inside Russian Federation, and you do realize that's the same ethnicity in the name of the region. Those regions didn't want to be a part of Georgia, they wanted to be a part of Russian Federation for a lot of the same reasons that Georgia joined Russia a century and a half before that. And Georgia refused, and there was conflict, and it didn't end well. 
Now they are not officially recognized by most of the world, stuck in a limbo, which is never good for the people who live in the country. And Russian-Georgian relationship on the government level is still tense. In my humble opinion, Russian government is being more mean to Georgians than the other way around. Russians don't need a visa to enter Georgia, but Georgians need one to enter Russia. And that fact made me so freaking ashamed when I was in Georgia. I wanted to apologize to everybody. I mean, it's just not fair. But Georgians are amazing about the whole thing. They are incredibly warm and hospitable, and a lot of them do understand the fact that often it escapes people when we watch the news. All that shit I've just told you about is between countries and governments, not necessarily between people. And they probably have as little say in the politics of their country as we do, so Georgians are amazing, and that's the end of my little bit of Georgian history. But I think I should have a bit more info. About 3,700,000 people live in Georgia on almost 70,000 square kilometers. It has uh, the Caucasus Mountains in the north, so there are a lot of amazing landscapes there. And in the west and south, uh, there's a sea coast. Georgia is warmer than neighboring parts of Russia because it's shielded from northern winds by the Caucasus. So for us, it's a decidedly southern country. National language is Georgian, but most people are bilingual at least. Older generations often speak Georgian and Russian. Young people are more likely to speak Georgian and English. A lot of people in touristy places speak all three. Georgian language has its own alphabet. It's nothing like Latin or Cyrillic. I'd say it's closer to Arabic than to anything else, but I'm just speculating. In any case, it's pretty. Language is also nothing like English or Russian. Oh, important thing. Uh, the name of the country in Georgian is, of course, not Georgia. Nor is it anything like the Russian name for the country, Gruzia. It's Sakartvela. The capital of the country is Tbilisi. I'll talk about it later. The time zone is uh, UTC plus 4, which is my time zone. Another reason I enjoy Georgia. And their money is called Lari. Uh, as I'm writing this, one Lari costs about 40 cents or 33-35 euro cents. Alright, now about my trip. I went with my mom's friends, who brought along a bunch of their friends. So there were 11 of us in three cars. It took us 26 hours to get from my city, Saratov, to the Georgian town that's closer to the border. That number is so high because we spent about four hours at the border. Because you have to go through both Russian and Georgian customs. Four hours still felt weird because... It was the middle of the night, but not unusual, we were told. However, on our way home, we spent like 10 minutes at the Georgian customs and maybe half an hour at Russian, and that was late afternoon, so that makes little sense. Anyway, uh, the road itself is magnificent, and I'd go to Georgia by car again just to see it. I've posted pics from there on Instagram. You can find it at Greenly, that's G-R-E-E-N-N-I-L-Y. 
um, I mean, not the whole road from Saratov, but Georgian military road. It starts in Russia, in the city of Vodikavkaz, that's in the Republic of North Ossetia, I've mentioned before, uh, and goes straight to Tbilisi. The border itself is in the place called Daryal Gorge, Daryalska Ushelia. And that gorge is just incredible. In the language of people living nearby, that way is called the Road Through the Sky Gorge. I mean, honestly, you could name a fantasy novel like that, or anime. But it's you said. It's the most beautiful road I've seen in my life. Though, to be fair, I'm not an expert. Uh, Georgian military road is super historic and was described by ancient Greeks, uh, the original travel bloggers. Uh, but the modern version was built by Russians in the 19th century because we were the ones who needed it once Georgia became a part of the empire. Russian military ministry started the works, that's why it's Georgian military road. As I said, Russians don't need a visa to enter Georgia. People from the European Union don't need a Georgian visa too. But if you are from some other country, you have to check. So, early Tuesday morning, in the end of August, we arrived in the town closest to the border. I stumbled upon the name because there's like three names for it. <laughs> the original name of the settlement is Stepansminda, after a Georgian Orthodox Christian saint called Stepan, which is Stephen. Uh, he built a hermitage in those parts. At some point, he saved the locals when he told them about the coming avalanche. After they moved their homes to a safer place, they named it after him. In the 18th century, uh, the local ruler was a guy called Kazibek Chupikashvili. Uh, his son Gabriel was a Russian ally during the whole becoming the part of the Russian Empire stage, so he got knighted and received a rank of major in the Russian army after which he decided to change his last name from Chipikashvili to Kazbegi after his father. I'm guessing because Georgian names are not easy to pronounce for Russians. The village after his control was also referred to as Kazbegi, and soon even the most gorgeous mountain in the area, Mkinvartsveri, became known as Kazbegi. In 2006, the town reverted to the original name, but it, um... <laughs> hasn't stuck yet, since, I guess, Kazbegi is kind of easy to pronounce for a lot of folks. So people call it by two names. The river Terek or Targi starts in Russia and goes through the town. If my map is right, the part called Kazbegi is across the river from the mountain that has the same name. The houses that are below the mountain are in a settlement called Girgeti, but it doesn't mean much in real life, because it's a small town, you can go from one end to the other in an hour, probably. So, I spent two days there, but I wish I could stay there for a week. There isn't much to do, to be honest. But it's in the valley, it's surrounded by mountain ridges, it's extremely peaceful and beautiful. I think I could have spent like half a day just sitting there somewhere and watching Mount Kazbegi. It's the third highest mountain in Georgia. It's 5,033 meters. Its Georgian name Kinvartsveri means the glacier peak, and there is a glacier there. Its top is white, and you can't mistake it because it's the highest mountain in the area. 
It's a dormant volcano and it's very popular with climbers. In fact, it's the reason seven people out of 11 in our group went to Georgia. They wanted to climb Mount Kazbegi or Kazbek as we call it in Russian. And spoiler alert, they did it! They've reached the summit even though there was a snowstorm and everything, so they are very cool people and I'm very proud of them. The original plan for me was to go up with them to the first stop for the night, but on the first day we climbed to 2200 meters as a test and I realized I won't make it this time. Which just adds another reason to go to Georgia again for me. My city is about 200 meters above sea level, and the highest mountain I've climbed was in Kislovodsk from episode number 4, and it's slightly more than 900 meters. This fact, along with the sleepless night in the car and the fact that I came from my Vipassana retreat not so long ago, I talked about it in the episode number 12, and it meant a lot of sitting. Uh, all that added up to me getting really dizzy on my way up, like, the world was literally spinning around me several times during my climb, which is not at all fun when you are walking a narrow path along the sheer drop. So I climbed to 2200 meters above sea level, was extremely proud of myself and decided that I'd had enough hates for this trip, thank you very much. Why did I climb at all? Well, I'm stubborn like that. <laughs> also, I wasn't about to miss an epic view. And most importantly, there, at 2200 meters above sea level, I'm gonna just keep repeating that, because I feel so cool having climbed them, <laughs> is a 14th century church. It's called Twinda Samyaba, Holy Trinity Church. It's functioning. Uh, there is a main church building where you go to light a candle and a bell tower and some living quarters below. Imagine a church made out of stone blocks, no plaster or anything, with only stone decorations on top of a mountain that's just one among a whole mountain ridge. It's dark, but it looks perfect for where it stands. You can get a ride in the car there, by the way, but where's the fun in that? Said she, who was cursing internally all the way up. Uh, <laughs> it just happened that we were there on a religious holiday, Twindu Miriam, protection of Virgin Mary, it's a feast in the Eastern Orthodox churches. It celebrates the protection afforded the faithful through the help of the Virgin Mary. Not sure precisely how that works. Like, she speaks for you with God, I guess. But it's a religious holiday that Russian Orthodox Church celebrates as well as Georgians. In Georgia, it's a public holiday, apparently. And there were so many Georgian people climbing to that church with us. A lot of them with babies, and they did it so easily, I felt like a sloth. Well, I guess they're used to the heights. <laughs> That's what I will keep telling myself, anyway. Uh, they said it was the main religious holiday of the year in that church, even though it's dedicated to Holy Trinity. So we were very lucky to be there on that day. Although the place is popular with tourists, and there were a lot of tourists in Kazbegi when we were there. Also, hikers stopped there on their way to the Mount Kazbek. By the way, uh, Georgian churches have um, a strict dress code. You can't wear shorts and a hat if you are a man, and if you are a woman, well, uh, there are more rules as usual. 
it's skirts only but not mini skirts no bare shoulders and we actually have to cover our heads where guys have to take their caps off don't worry if you don't have any of that people there are used to tourists uh, there's a box with wrap skirts and headscarves near the entrance what else is there to see oh well the town itself is small but lovely surrounded by stunning mountains there's another church also there is there were supposed to be a local history museum but it clearly wasn't working when i was there plus there are tons of cafes which you definitely have to visit because georgian cuisine is amazing it's spicy but it doesn't you know scourge your tongue uh, and every place has menus in english as well as georgian and russian my favorite thing is actually a type of street food called Lubiani. Uh, red beans are cooked with spices, mashed to make a puree and baked into a very long kind of stretched flatbread. If you get it hot from the open fire oven, it's incredibly tasty. It costs uh, around two, two and a half lari and it's enough for three people probably because it's very filling. Uh, there's a pretty famous hotel called Rooms, which has a great view of Kazbek Mountain from the terrace, but you have to climb to get to it, so I thought, meh, I'll save it for some other time. Because there's a much cooler place there. And I'm kind of on the fence whether to tell you about it or not. I don't want it to become a super touristy spot, but at the same time, oh, it's so gorgeous, you should see it. It's a mineral water pool. Uh, where water comes straight from under the ground and you can fill your water bottle and see that it's carbonated. It has bubbles. It flows into a stone swimming pool, which is not deep but cold, because the water comes out cold from under the ground. It's completely free because there's nothing there, just water in the pool. I took a dip several times and it felt amazing. Also, the view of the mountain valley is just magnificent. I don't have any normal adjectives for Georgian views in general, but that place... Oh. I think it's also... If you use Maps Me, uh, it's there on the map. So you could see it like Mineral Pool. After a couple of days there, we, that's four of us, that didn't go up Mount Kasbegi, went on the road again and the very same Georgian military road to get to the capital the road, as I've said before, is amazing. It's a tourist attraction in and of itself, but there's a lot of sights along the way. Super old churches and small villages, mineral water just flowing down the mountainside, a couple of small waterfalls and stunningly blue water reservoir. You also go over the cross pass, that's the name, not the shape. It's close to Gudauri Ski Resort and it's 2,379 meters, so my eardrums felt that one. And of course there's a ton of cafes along the way. The one place where you definitely should stop at is Russian-Georgian 200 years of friendship monument. It's a huge, weirdly shaped concrete structure. Sort of a cylinder, but it's not complete. Uh, there's an interesting mural inside. Uh, it stands on the cliff and the view of the Devil's Valley below is just incredible. And you can take the best pictures there, just mind the sheer drop below. Uh, very close to Tbilisi is the old Georgian capital Mtsheta. I didn't get a chance to see that place properly, but it's historic, quiet and lovely. So it's on my list for the next time.
Our host lady from Stepansminda said it would be a great idea to stay there, not in Belize itself, because it's cooler. Literally less hot, I mean. And in August and the beginning of September, that's important. But you'd need to use public transport to get to the center of Belize, so we decided against it and we walked everywhere in the oppressive heat. But that wasn't really a new experience for me, because it's pretty much the same weather in Saratov in summer. Okay, uh, what to see in Belize? Uh, well, that depends on your interests, of course. And there's too much stuff to see to fit into one episode. I'll tell you about places I think are a must. Some of them are famous tourist attractions, others less so, but you know, my podcast, my places. First, flea market on the dry bridge. Uh, if you want souvenirs other than magnets, uh, that's the place to go. You can find all kinds of stuff there, like books, jewelry, paintings, traditional knives and horns, old badges, coins, medals, probably clothes, scarves, you name it. Important thing, bargaining is normal and expected in any Georgian market. So if you like it, knock yourself out. If you don't, you should still do it. Don't spoil sellers, fun. And while we are on the subject of markets, the central market in Belisi is called Desertirka or Deserters Bazaar. It's close to the train station and it's the place where you can buy fruit, cheese, homemade wine, spices and whatever else you need. And it will be cheaper than in more touristy marketplaces. And note about the wine. Bottled wine is cheaper in Stepansmin the Kasbegi and in Belisi the best prices for wine I saw in Carrefour, a huge Walmart type of shop in Belisi Mall. That's a bit far from the center of the city, but if you are driving that way, or like me, are buying it to bring home, that might save you some lorry. Homemade wine is cheaper to buy at the Deserter Bazaar. Oh, I don't think I've mentioned it, but Georgia is very famous for its wine among countries that are close to it, including Russia, obviously. But I'm not an expert and hardly ever drink at all. Georgian wine is actually something I've made an exception for, so. I don't have much to say. If you like the wine though, there's a whole wine region to check out in Georgia and tons of wine tours and everything. Number three, if you like hipster places, there's a project called Fabrika. It used to be a sewing factory, but now there are cafes, bars, artist studios and shops, a co-working space and a hostel. Plus an open space courtyard with graffiti and art objects. A really interesting place if you like that sort of thing. Number four, Park Mtatsminda. I couldn't not mention a park. <laughs> I love parks. I've been to five of them in Tbilisi. I wouldn't say it's absolutely the best. I need more data on that. But it's on top of the mountain and there is a ferris wheel with a gorgeous view. Okay, number five. It is open-air ethnographic museum. So, almost a park but with traditional Georgian houses from all regions. Houses are very interesting by themselves, but it's way better with a guide. Uh, but a guide there would be a museum worker, so it costs, I think, 40 lari, if I remember correctly, plus 5 lari entrance fee. I was there alone, and I decided that's too much for a personal tour. But I did some eavesdropping on other people's tours and it was fascinating. Next time I'm totally taking the tour.
uh, about reaching that place. Uh, you can get very close using cable car from Vakis Park to Kuzba. Then you can also check Turtle Lake nearby or take a taxi. Getting there on foot takes time and effort. Number six. Next one you are not likely to miss, but I will mention it anyway because I liked it a lot. It's one of the most popular touristy places in all Tbilisi, Narikao Fortress. It's ancient, it was built somewhere around 4th century, which makes the fact that you can enter for free and climb walls there even more amazing. It's wonderful during the day, but also totally worth going in the evening, because the view on the city full of lights is stunning. Plus, botanical gardens are next to it, and uh, there is a very famous monument called Kartlis Dada, Mother Georgia. A small, kinda obvious life hack? You can get to the fortress by cable car from Rikia Park, but don't use it to get down, just walk and you'll be in the center of the old city again. About cable cars, you need a car to use it, but there are cable cars and funicular railway, and you need two different cars to enter each of them. So you would pay money for the ride plus money for the card, and you get to keep the card. One of those cards is also subway underground card, so at least that's something. And you can use one of the cars to go on the Ferris wheel in Tatsminda Park. Life hack is this: if there are more than one of you, you can buy just one card and give a salesperson enough money to put onto the card for everyone in your group. It saves you about five lari per person. Also, don't forget to carry those cards with you while you're in Tbilisi. God knows where else they might come in useful. Number seven, Tbilisi Sea. It's not actually a sea. Uh, it's another water reservoir. It's not as big as the one you might see if you drive to or from Tbilisi by my favorite Georgian military road, but it's also incredibly blue from afar and the water is very clear and and that was the main attraction for me, you can swim there. Ask locals about the right side of the reservoir, and if you don't have a car, you'd have to get a taxi there, I guess. But swimming there was amazing. The water was warm, the view incredible, and precisely what you need if you go there in summer. We haven't found a proper beach, though I was told it exists, so we were swimming by the rocks and in our flip-flops, because there might be sharp stones at the bottom, so bring something like that with you. Number eight. Uh, it's not a place, it's more for route. I've made a bit of a mistake while exploring, which actually let me see some amazing views. I walked from Tatsminda Park to the Turtle Lake on foot, and then to the Ethnographic Museum and from there to Vakia Park. I also had to walk home because I couldn't find any public transport that would get me where I needed to be. So, in the end, I was uh, very tired. But, if you like hiking and are tired of the big city, Tbilisi can be a bit hectic. Uh, you could repeat at least a part of my mistake and walk on top of the pretty flat mountains and look at this amazing place from above. I'll leave a screenshot of the map I used in show notes. But while there are a lot of guides and tours in Tbilisi and they tell interesting stories, the best part of my trip was just walking in the old city, enjoying narrow winding streets and taking pictures of, of all the lovely balconies and street cafes and just breathing that place in. I think you realize now that 
I like Georgia a lot. There's a couple of things I'd like to tell you about before I wrap up. Like Russia, Georgia is neither Europe nor Asia, so there's a very interesting mix of traditions there. Also, it's a country of contrasts, and Tbilisi is a city of contrasts. You can see a super modern building next to a wooden shack and a Porsche parked next to it. You can see cows walking the streets and Stepansminda next to some hipster cafe. Georgian people are amazing hosts, but it's a patriarchal country. If you are a woman, be careful, you will very likely get hit on. All the Georgian men I've met were fine with taking no for an answer, and I personally know a girl who went there all by herself and went out at night and came back perfectly fine, but, you know, just be careful as always. Anyway... It's a wonderful place to visit, and I haven't been to a lot of it, so I definitely want to go again, which I think you might take as a good sign. And now it's time for the segment, how do you say it in Georgian? Unfortunately, I don't really speak Georgian, except for one word, but it's an important one. Hello, Gamarjoba. Gamarjoba. And that's all for now. If you have questions, ideas or suggestions, you can always write to me at journeyswithgigi at gmail.com or on Instagram at greenly, that's G-R-E-E-N-N-I-L-Y. There's also a podcast site, journeyswithgigi, in one word without capitals or spaces. Each and every one of my episodes has a transcript. You can find it at journeyswithgigi.com along with links and some photos. If you like the show, please rate it and leave a review, however, and wherever you listen, because apparently it's very helpful. And, you know, it'll just make me happy. Till next week, yours, Gigi, from Russia, with love for Georgia.